What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sean Jones NBA Show. I'm recording this on June 5th, which is a Monday evening. Uh, By the time you listen, it'll likely be Tuesday, so that'll be two days removed since the Miami Heat were able to tie up the NBA Finals at one game apiece after dropping Game 1 in Denver. And we head back to Miami on Wednesday night this week for Game 3. Game 1 was a bit of a blowout, uh, rather lopsided despite the semi-close final score, whereas Game 2 was a little bit more back and forth, big runs by both teams at different points in the game, but a lot to dissect in terms of adjustments that the teams made from Game 1 to Game 2. I'll talk through that as well as some adjustments I think that both teams could make um, heading into the games in Miami as we wrap up the series. So uh, with that, let's get right into it. So starting off with game one, this was not a particularly close game for most of um, game one. Denver was up nine after the first quarter. Miami only scored 20 points in that quarter, and they really just could not make any shots at all. I mean, Max Struess finished finished the game 0 of 10, did not score a single point. Caleb Barton was 1 of 7, only scored three points. Duncan Robinson was 1 for 6. He only had three points. So all of their big uh, contributors that they'd had throughout uh, most of the playoffs, particularly their shooters, they just it, the shots didn't fall tonight. Um, they shot barely forty percent from the field overall. They were thirteen for thirty nine from three, which doesn't sound awful, but they went six for twelve in the fourth. So they were seven for twenty seven before that quarter. Uh, so <laughs> it was it was bleak. Uh, not to mention that they only actually had two free throw attempts the entire game, and they were by Haywood Highsmith, <laughs> uh, who played very well off the bench, actually, 18 points. Um, but Denver really punched him in the mouth early. I mean, they were up 9 after 1. They were up uh, 17 after the second half. They were up 21 after three quarters. Uh, and this was just a, a really funny game for them, just in the sense of Jokic only had five shots after three quarters. It is not very often that you're – Best player takes only five shots through three quarters and you're up 21 points. Um, but Jokic played great. I mean, he ended up having 27 points. Uh, he took seven point seven field goal attempts in the fourth quarter and he had triple double, including 14 assists. So he was really out there, um, playmaking for everybody, uh, tearing the heat defense apart, um, from a distribution perspective. Um, and then Murray had a good game, 26 points. He had 10 assists as well. Um, Shot 50% from the field. Aaron Gordon really got them going early, though. Uh, I think he had double-digit points in the the first quarter. Um, Was getting a lot of back cuts, um, sealing guys off in the paint. Um, Just getting easy looks, and that's exactly what they want early in games. He finished with 16 points uh, on 7-10 shooting. So Denver played really well overall. Uh, They shot 51% from the field. They honestly could have shot the ball a lot better. I mean, they were only 8 for 27 from three as well. Um, but I think Miami's a little bit more reliant uh, on the three-point shot than Denver is in terms of when they don't hit their shots, they don't win super often. And honestly, the way I see Miami is they really need two of three things to happen in order to win, at least versus good teams. Um, one of them is make threes, which they just didn't do in this game. Um all of their shooters were cold, except for Gabe Vincent, really. Um, the second one is 
a big Jimmy Butler game. So th- if they're not making shots, they can still hang around. Um, if Butler's playing really well, and he has had plenty of games like that these playoffs, but uh, when he doesn't play well and they're not making threes, they really struggle offensively, uh, which is what happened in this game. I mean, they only had 93 points, but they scored 30 in the fourth quarter, outscoring Denver by 10. So the final score was a little deceiving. I know Denver only won by 11. Um, but Miami only had 63 points through three quarters. They didn't score more than 22 points in any of the first three quarters. Um, and it's because they didn't make threes and they didn't have a big Jimmy game. Um, and then the last one is just a very good defensive effort. So uh, their defensive effort in this one was was fine, I'd say. Um, it really picked up in the fourth quarter, but um, Denver had 59 points at halftime. Um, so it's not exactly like they were holding them um, – totally down offensively but um they did hold them only to 104 points overall in the game 45 points in the second half which is actually i think the second lowest uh point total that denver's had at home in the playoffs uh this postseason so they've uh they did limit them some and really the only heat player that played particularly well outside of gabe vincent who shot 50 percent from three with uh five three-pointers made was bam but honestly he he was good, but he had 26 points on 25 shots, and I think Denver's going to live with that every single night if he's going to uh, take almost 30 shots to um, to get that number of points. Um, and, yeah, they, they just didn't get the contributions they needed, and Denver had all the momentum early. And, yeah, my, we've seen Miami come back a lot, but they were just weren't able to do it in game one. Game two, on the other hand, was uh, very different <laughs> without started. So uh, the Heat got up to a very quick 10-2 uh, start. Uh, they were f- forcing turnovers early. I believe Denver had four just in the first seven minutes of the game. Uh, they got up a lead as big as 11. They were up 21-10. to 10. Um, And a lot of this was uh, because they were making shots, <laughs> uh, which was obviously different from game one. Max Drew started the game with four three-pointers just in the first quarter. Um, and I even think he made a fifth one where there was a moving screen. so, But Denver was missing some rotations early, and Miami was getting a lot of open looks, especially in the corners. Mike Malone was not happy early um, because of that, but the Heat took advantage. They actually made their open threes tonight. Um, but even with that, Denver did close the first quarter on a 13-5 to run, so they were only down three um, at the end of the quarter. Um, and funny enough, Jokic actually took more field goal attempts through the first then he had through three quarters of game one. Uh, as I said, he only had five in game one. He had nine in the first quarter. In this game, he was five and nine. And no one else on Denver even had more than one field goal made. Um, the rest of the starters were three for ten combined, and Murray actually didn't score a single point. But when the benches came in, uh, when Jokic and Butler specifically went to the bench, um, and uh, Bam as well, that is when... Uh, Denver went on a huge run. They started the second quarter on a 16-3 run. Um, but if you carry over from the end of the second as well, or end of the first quarter as well, it was a 22-3 run overall. Uh, and it actually got as big as 27-6 and 40-14 um, at one point. I think Denver's largest lead was uh, 15 points in that second quarter. But it was very reminiscent of the Suns' Game 6 uh, run, or the Denver run versus the Suns in Game 6. Uh, where it was the end of the first quarter into the second quarter, the Denver bench unit just went on a massive run to blow the game totally 
uh, wide open and the Suns just obviously were never able to recover from that. Um, but they were getting a ton of contributions from everyone on their bench. I mean, Christian Brown had a huge defensive impact early in that second quarter. He had a few steals and he was diving all over the place. Um, and also, also Miami was just being really sloppy, um, which is really the main reason they were able to, uh, or Denver was able to build up this lead. I mean, Miami had five turnovers in the quarter overall after only having one in the first quarter. Um, and a lot of these turnovers were leading to easy Denver buckets. Denver really took advantage of the, the fast break transition uh, scoring in that quarter. And that's how they were able to build up their lead, even with Jokic not in the game. Um, but when we get to halftime, um, I actually think that he had done a pretty good job on Jokic to that point. He had 13 points, but only on 13 shots. Um, so same thing I said about Bam earlier earlier i think miami's gonna live with that every time and he only had three assists and weirdly enough they were up sixth denver was at half but denver was minus eight in the Jokic minutes so they actually had pretty easily won the um minutes he'd been on the floor um but really they were losing because of sloppiness early in the quarter with the bench lineups um butler was having not a phenomenal shooting shooting game but at least he was being a little more aggressive he had 11 and a half time after having only 13 in all of game one um then going into the third quarter pretty back and forth quarter overall the heat were kind of chipping away chipping away um and they actually cut the lead to two uh with about a minute and a half remaining um, but then the nuggets went on a 6-0 run um for the rest of the quarter i think they got three straight buckets and three straight stops this is with um, butler and bam both on the bench um, and Jokic, I think, scored all six of those. He had 18 points in the third. The Nuggets only had 26 overall, so um, he had <laughs> well over more than half of their points for the quarter. But then he went to the bench to start the fourth, and that's when Miami went on a crazy run. So Duncan Robinson comes in and immediately goes three for three with eight points in the first minute, and then a, with a, a minute later he gets another bucket, so he is. 10 points in the first two minutes. Um, they cut. He cut the lead back to two. And honestly, it, it wasn't even just his shooting. He's really improved just as a uh, putting pressure on the rim with his pump fake dribble drives. Um, not really something we saw out of him a ton over the past few years. But um, overall, Miami started the fourth on a 15-2 run that uh, encompassed a 12-0 run as well. And this was all in the non-Jimmy Butler minutes. So um, the Heat were taking advantage of... Um, Denver playing a little aggressive and sloppy on defense. They were able to get into the bonus with over nine minutes left, which is uh, pretty funny considering they only had two free throws total uh, <laughs> in game one. Um, but the Heat did get up by as many as 12 points in the fourth. Um, they had outscored the Nuggets 32-12 to 12 at that point in the quarter, so a 20-point swing to start the quarter. Um, the Nuggets did then go in an 11-2 run um, to cut it back to three. Um, they were outscored by 11 overall in the fourth, but Murray did get hot, um, late in this game, but it was kind of too little too late. Um, but then suddenly there is Denver with the, they have the ball down three shot clock off. Um, it was, I think by the time they had it across half court, it was around six, seven seconds. So not a ton of time. Um, but they elected not to call timeout. Um, and, uh, as well, Miami elected not to foul up three, um, both, probably against conventional thought uh, in the today's game. But I personally would have called a timeout. Um, I didn't like the matchup that Denver had. Um, they did a, a screen and roll to get 
Jimmy Butler onto Jamal Murray to guard the last shot. So Murray ends up settling for a not great step back three that um, does not go in. So Miami takes game two by three points. But I don't know. I just I don't like Jokic not touching the ball on the last play. He's got 41 points. He's been really the only one on the whole team that's gotten into a uh, rhythm for most of the game. And when they switched Butler on Murray, Gabe Vincent was actually guarding Jokic. So he had a very favorable matchup, a much smaller defender on him. And if he could have got the ball, he easily could have shot over him. I know they needed a three-pointer, but um, Jokic has shot the ball really well from three in, in these playoffs. And so I don't know. I, I just don't really like on the last possession the ball doesn't end up in his hands. I'm not saying he needs to shoot it, um, but I just trust him to get a good shot. And Murray settled for a – it wasn't an awful shot, but it's just not its not a super high percentage look. Like, he's making that one out of three max, whereas I feel a lot better um, about Jokic getting a shot that's closer to a 50% um, look. So, additionally, because they were down three, I think if they were down two, I don't mind the don't call a timeout thing because you just got more options. You can uh, drive to the basket, uh, kick out. You can do a screen and roll. There's just a lot more you can do. Um, but when everyone on the court knows you need a three-pointer, it's a lot easier to defend. So I kind of like having a, a set play run so you can try to get someone open versus just kind of um, going on a broken play um, where once you get down to four or five seconds, uh, there's not really much action you can run. The guys in the corner are just going to end up still being in the corner, and so it just turns into a total ISO uh, versus actually running a, a play with some screens to get some action going and get somebody open hopefully. Um, but with that, the Heat have now won seven games when they've trailed by 10 points in these playoffs, which is just remarkable. I mean, that, that feels like a fake stat. <laughs> I mean, they've only had three games all playoffs, uh, where it felt like they won comfortably. <laughs> they've won 13 games and it feels like 10 of them, they, um, either had no business winning or they came from behind or it was down to the last play. I mean, it, this run's just been totally ridiculous. But in terms of big differences from game one to game two, obviously the <laughs> the obvious stat to look at is the, the shooting. So Miami was 17 for 35 on threes in this game. After game one, they were 13 for 39, which doesn't sound like a huge discrepancy, but they went six for uh, 12 in the fourth quarter of game two, like I said, when they were already down 20 points. So... They started 7 for 27, so it's a pretty big difference. I mean, uh, they shot the ball much better, more consistently throughout the game in this one versus game one. They made a bunch at the end, but it was kind of too little too late. Um, and guys from game one to game two, I mean, Struess had four this uh, four threes this game after hitting zero in game one. Kevin Love didn't even play in game one. He had two in this game. Um, Caleb Martin um, made the same amount of threes, but uh, was more efficient. Uh, Duncan Robinson made two in this game. Gabe Vincent had four again. Jimmy Butler had two. So really everybody that played um, outside of the big guys um, hit at least a couple three-pointers. So it, it was really a team effort on that front. Another thing is obviously the free throws. I mean, they the Heat have averaged about 20 free throws a game throughout these playoffs, and they had exactly 20 in this game. They were 18 for 20. They're a good free throw shooting team overall. But they only had two attempts in game one, which – is actually like historically low. It's like really rare to have that few in a game, uh, especially it's weird because this is a team that 
uh, is normally pretty good at getting to the line overall. Um, but I feel like they just hadn't been taking a lot of shots at the basket, specifically like Bam, for example. He was settling a lot for that little mid-range jumper that I just don't love that shot for him. It's not super high uh, percentage, but he, he insists on keep taking it. But I feel like good things happen when he's like, more aggressive and goes to the rim. Um, but obviously the, the free throw thing was going to regress, as was the shooting to some extent, but two free throws in a game was not going to happen again. Um, I also feel like just more timely contributions from everybody across the board. So um, not everybody played great all game long, but somebody played great at some point. You know, Struess had four threes in the first. Duncan Robinson had 10 uh, points in the fourth quarter. Uh, Gabe Vincent was consistent throughout. Kyle Lowry had a couple big threes in the second half. So everybody kind of chipped in when it was needed. And that's really been the um, the formula for the Heat is, look, we don't need everybody to play well. Uh, for the whole game, but we just need timely shots, and that's exactly what they got in this game as well. In terms of more strategic adjustments that we saw, um, I think the biggest one has got to be just making Jokic more of a scorer as opposed to a playmaker and uh, distributor to his teammates. Um, They played him way more straight up in this one. Uh, The zone, uh, mixing that in occasionally, was also pretty effective in icing the non-Jokic guys offensively. And look, he obviously got his, um, he scored 41 points, um, but he wasn't really involved at all as a playmaker. Uh, he had more turnovers than assists. He had um, five assists compared to five turnovers, which is a really, really rare occurrence for him. Um, and I honestly feel like him being more aggressive offensively as a scorer, it didn't really allow any of the other guys to get a rhythm at all. Um, and it took them out of the game a bit. I mean, they actually shot pretty well outside of him. I think the the rest of the team shot around 50% outside of him, but it was just low volume, and um, they probably didn't feel as inclined to be aggressive because they knew Jokic was having a big game, uh, which can happen sometimes. People get more uh, ball-watchy. Um, and so Jokic had, for example, 18 points in the third quarter. They only had 26 overall, so the rest of the Nuggets in that quarter only had eight, um, which is just not really what you want to see from the supporting cast. Um he had 41, and the rest of the starters combined uh, had 41. So he matched the total for Murray, KCP, Gordon, um, and Michael Porter Jr., which, I mean, that tells you all you need to see, really. that That's not really what you want from the contributing guys. And the Nuggets actually are 0-3 when Jokic has 40 this playoffs, which is really interesting. Um, and if you look at back to the regular season – they were 34 and 4 when he had 10 assists or more and only 14 and 17 when he didn't. So the numbers don't lie. When he is a pass first guy um, or not even pass first, but when he is successfully um, playmaking for others, they win. They're really hard to beat. 34 and 4 is ridiculous. Um, and when he doesn't, they're really beatable. I mean, they lost more games uh, than they won when he didn't get to 10 assists. And when you look at the 40 point per game thing, They've only lost four games all playoffs. <laughs> so that means they're 13-1 and one when he scores under 40 and 0-3 when he scores 40. So there, it seems like there's a pretty clear formula here. And credit to Spolster and the Heat coaching staff for being able to recognize that. Not only recognize it, but execute on it flawlessly. Um, and one way they were able to do this was by containing Jamal Murray, too. I mean, they blitzed him a bunch, a lot more than they did in Game 1. Um, one of the big adjustments they had was actually putting Jimmy Butler on him, which we really didn't see much of at all in game one. 
Um, and it that bothered him. I mean, he had zero points after the first quarter. He only had 10 heading into the fourth quarter. He was not involved at all. I know he finished with 18. Um, but he, he had a late eight points that uh, really saved his stat line because he didn't do much for most of this game. Um, and look, I think the Heat know that, and they should know, we all know, that Jokic is going to get his no matter what. I mean, this guy is going to, whether it be playmaking for others, scoring 40, um, just controlling the game, he is too dominant and hard to guard at this point that there's no stopping him. You can only just hope that he has an off night or um, you can take one thing away from him, but he's going to dominate the game in one aspect. Um, And so I think that they kind of realize that. Um, I mean, whether you double-team him, triple-team him, single coverage, um, blitz him, hedge him with screens, um, play the zone, play man-to-man, it doesn't matter. He's going to do his thing. That's just those guys, the top five all-time players, like, um, that's, that's what he's going to do. And so the next person to look at is Murray. And so maybe stopping him is the key for them. Um, we have not seen teams be able to do that. I mean, the, he averaged over 30 points a game against the Lakers. He had a few, uh, so-so games against the Suns, but overall he played really well against Phoenix as well. Um, in all playoffs, he's been really the key um, outside of Jokic, uh, just in terms of how he stepped up. I talked about this on my last episode about how he's really sparking the conversation about what we think about him as a guy overall, just with how he's performed. So um, maybe stopping him will open some opportunity uh, for Miami to have a chance in this series, but um, we'll see. And the reason they were able to actually put Butler on Murray is because they started Kevin Love over Caleb Martin, who had been starting. And I have no idea if Martin didn't start because he had an illness. It had been reported that he uh, wasn't feeling great. He was questionable. Um, but regardless, Love did start, and he was plus 18 in 22 minutes. He didn't shoot the ball super well, but he made a clear impact on the game. He had a number of good outlet passes um, that he's sort of known for, obviously, but he still made it a few threes. Um and by him playing, Butler could guard Murray because Love was able to guard Gordon. Um, and this helped in a number of ways by just allowing Butler to shift over. But also, he, he can guard Gordon. I mean, he didn't get going early like he did in Game 1. Gordon was pretty quiet in this game. Um, and Love is a bigger guy. I mean, he's about the same size as Gordon. So not that he's some great defender, but he can at least put a body on him and he's not going to let Gordon get those super easy looks inside like he did early in Game 1. Um but by putting Butler on Murray, it made a huge difference. I mean, like I said, um, he only had 10 points heading into the fourth quarter, so there was clearly um, whether Murray just wasn't able to get shots off or the actions they put him in were making him more passive um, or just Butler's size being able to bother him a little bit more. It clearly made uh, a difference overall. Another reason I think Miami was able to win this one is because Denver's defense was not very good. Uh, specifically when defending the three-point line. They just had a number of lost assignments. They were going for pump fakes. They were fouling three-point shooters. I mean, KCP gave up six free throws alone on um, fouled shooters. And these these are all things that Miami does really well at, uh, at avoiding. They never foul guys on the three-point line. They close out hard. They don't lose assignments. And so when you you're playing a team like Miami and you're doing all those things, it can be really tough to win. Um, That's kind of their calling card. So um, 
Denver's defense hasn't been phenomenal all year. It's been kind of mediocre for most of it. It stepped up a little bit in the playoffs, but we saw signs of those concerns that a lot of people had. Um, particularly Michael Porter Jr. was really bad in this front. I mean, he was benched in crunch time for Bruce Brown. I think they put him back in late, but it was only because KCP had fouled out, uh, so they had to put him back in. Um, but it was pretty much all because defensive lapses. I know he wasn't shooting well, but trust me, Mike Malone does not care. He's going to keep him in there and tell him to keep shooting. But he was missing assignments. Um, I know he's been improved in that end, but he really reverted back to his early career play here. He was falling asleep on guys, um, and he right, rightfully so got benched. I mean, you hear every single interview that Malone does, like the end of first quarter, end of third quarter, he's always talking about defense. You hear him in the huddles. That's really all he's talking about. And so their effort on that end just really wasn't there. It was weird. They just looked lazy. They didn't look super engaged. And um, they're not a team that can afford to do that, especially when you're playing a team like Miami, who you know is going to execute uh, all of those parts of the game. And really, Denver is lucky because Jimmy Butler has not played well in this series thus far. I mean, he's only shooting 39% from the field overall, averaging 17 points a game. He's been very good as a playmaker, uh, eight assists a game. And honestly, he has been having an impact, even when he hasn't been shooting well. But he only had 13 in game one, um, and he had 21 in game two. And this has kind of been a reoccurring thing since early in the Boston series. I mean, his last seven games uh, since game two versus Boston – He's only averaging just under 21 a game, which, I mean, isn't awful, but he was higher than that in the regular season. And this is the same guy that was averaging over 30 uh, in the first round. <laughs> and people were talking about him as the best player in the playoffs thus far and uh, playoff Jimmy, blah, blah, blah. But in that seven-game span, he's only shooting 38.9%, which is that's a pretty big sample to be sub 40%. I mean, he's had a 13-point game, a 14-point game, a 16-point game. He's had a 5-for-13 shooting, a 5-for-21 shooting. He had one game where he got 28, but he was still only 12-for-28 in that game, so 28 points on 28 shots. He was 6-for-14 in game one of this series, 7-for-19 uh, last night. So, yeah, I mean, he he's not shot the ball well at all. And to be honest, Bam has been easily their best player in this series so far. Um Obviously, he scored the ball well. He's averaging 24 a game, 11 rebounds, four and a half assists. He's always been a, a good distributor at the, the center position. Um, but, I, I mean, even more importantly on the defensive end because Zeller is just killing them out there. And I think that because he's been so bad, it kind of amplifies the, how important Bam is and how good he's been, um, even though he's had some – not great shot selection at times, like I said, taking too many mid-range jumpers. Um, but still, this is one of the biggest adjustments that I would make if I was on the Heat side. Zeller just can't play anymore. I mean, he has to be a DNP moving forward, in my opinion. I mean, just last night, he only played eight minutes, and he was minus 14. So they were plus 17 in the 40 band minutes. So, I mean, they were on their way to a blowout, but they were atrocious when he played. And look, why why do you play Zeller in the first place? He he's obviously a total zero on offense. Everybody knows that going in. That's not why he's out there. You play him for what? Rebounding purposes and defensive purposes. But he's getting eaten alive on defense. I mean, he can't guard Jokic one on one. And then he is a total liability in ball screens. 
Um, not to mention on the on the defensive, uh, or sorry, on the rebounding side of things, he had zero rebounds in game two and three in game one. So he's got he's averaging one and a half rebounds. He's not a rebounding threat. He's a total defensive liability. I just don't get why they're still playing him. I know they want to have size out there, but think about it. I mean, they're they stagger Jokic's minutes with Gordon. The, the Nuggets also don't play a true backup center. So to me, like, why wouldn't you just try to match Bam's minutes with Jokic? Only have Bam out of the game when Jokic is out of the game. You're still going to get him above 40 minutes by doing that. And then you can just play small. I mean, put Martin at the five. Put um, Robinson, Butler, I don't know. Just pl- Or put Love at the five. Love can play small ball five when Jokic isn't out there. Or Love can probably play a little bit of five when Jokic is out there. But um, it's just so glaring how bad he's been. Um, they're getting just killed in his minutes. And so... I don't see how you can continue to play him. It's I honestly can't believe that he was even somewhat effective versus Boston um, in the last series. Um, but he's he's been really bad. Um, I think another adjustment that both teams can focus on here is just that the discrepancy in transition versus half-court offense. Um, Miami actually has a higher offensive rating in the half-court than Denver does, despite Denver being viewed as the team that's um, the better offensive team, especially as a um, team that has Jokic on it. Everyone thinks of them, oh, they're going to get good shots. They make a lot of threes, etc. Uh, Miami is a 104 offensive rating, and Denver's got a 102 offensive rating in the half court. But where Miami's getting killed is in transition. Denver has a 157 offensive rating, and Miami's only at 122. So that's really been the difference. And that was extremely um, apparent in this game as well because – Denver, when they made their huge run in the second quarter, it was all in transition. Miami was turning the ball over um, because Jokic wasn't out there. They were pushing the ball a little bit more. Um, they had some of their energy guys out there. Um, and so if I'm Denver, I'm trying to push the ball more. I want to run more. That's where I've uh, had my greatest success on the offensive end. And if I'm Miami, I want to try to limit that. Um, because, look, like if you make this a half-court game, you're, you've been beating this team. I mean, they they've – been better in the half court just barely but at least you're gonna know it's gonna stay close um and this game honestly wouldn't even have been close if um denver doesn't go on that huge run in the second quarter anyway um another thing is the heat really need to uh win the non-jokic minutes i know that they were able to win tonight anyway but the nuggets were actually plus eight in six minutes when Jokic didn't play and minus 11 and 42 when he was in and so if they even outscore them by five points in those six minutes, this game's not even close. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah, Miami can't let that happen. They cannot lose the non-Jokic minutes. And I, I know part of why they do is because I think Butler sits normally during the same time Jokic does. So it's really bench versus bench. And Denver's bench played well tonight. Um, weird stat tonight, actually. Every single Denver bench player was a plus and a plus minus, and every starter was a minus. And the reverse was opposite for Miami. Every single bench player was a minus, and every starter was a plus. But, as I said, a big reason for that is Cody Zeller. Uh, <laughs> but, regardless, they got to win those minutes. And if you're Denver, you got to think the opposite way. 
you can't rely on winning the non-Jokic minutes. You've got to win the minutes he does play. Um, so the, a lot of these adjustments kind of go both ways depending on how, how you're looking at it and which perspective of which team you're thinking from. Um, and then lastly, I just think Denver needs to defend the three-point line better. Um, I know Miami didn't shoot particularly well in game one, but honestly, a lot of their looks were open. They just missed them. Um, Miami's only 10 for 26 on wide open threes so far in this series. That's 38%, which that's what a good three-point shooting team shoots overall, including the non-open threes. So averages say that that number is going to go up. Denver is shooting 44% um, on that same um, stat, but they have lower volume because Miami just uh, concedes less wide open threes. So um, Denver can't count on them to keep missing those. Um, we saw a lot of their shooters get hot, but they're going to be hot and cold. Um, so they need to take matters into their own hands and just not let them get wide open shots. And hey, if Michael Porter Jr. is going to fall asleep on defense, then you can't play him down the stretch. You got to put Bruce Brown in instead, which they did do tonight. But with all that said, I do think that we're probably headed for a 2-2 series, headed back to Denver. I know I picked Denver in five initially. Didn't expect Miami to uh, win one of these first two games in Denver. I thought it'd be 2-0 going back to Miami, but I'm not surprised by it. It's You can't count this Miami team out at any point. I've said that. I thought this would still be a competitive five-game series. Um, but with that said, because they did win one here, I do expect them to win at least one of the games in Miami. So I think it'll be 2-2 heading back to Denver. And from there, I would expect Denver to win game five. Uh, and then I do think that they would then close it out in six. So uh, revising uh, to Nuggets in six at this point, I think that they're going to clean up some of their um, defensive mistakes, uh, particularly guarding the three-point line. I think they'll come out with a little bit more intensity. I think they're not going to lose the Jokic minutes as badly as they did today um, or in this game, sorry. And then I think that Jokic is going to adjust. He's probably the best player in the world right now, so I don't think it's going to be as easy as just make him score and take away the passing. I think we will not see another game where he has more turnovers than assists. Last time we saw something similar to, uh, to this was probably game one of the Lakers series in the fourth quarter, um, and that did not last. That was not sustainable, so I uh, expect that to uh, continue. Plus, it, I think it's a little concerning how much Jimmy Butler appears to be breaking down. Um, I don't know if I want to go as far as to say that, but he's not shooting well. And I think they're going to need at least one or two 30, 35-point performances from him if they want to have a chance in this series because they can't keep relying um, on Denver to uh, to just not shoot as well and score as well as they have throughout the, the entirety of these playoffs. Um, so they're going to need to score some more, in my opinion. But with that said... I think both teams have rooms for uh, adjustments moving forward, but I still would favor Denver um, heading into the games in Miami. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Sean Jones NBA show. Thank you so much for listening. We've got game three on Wednesday in Miami. Uh, I will probably do another recording before the series is over, whether that be after game four or game five. Would like to get a few of these in so we can do more game by game analysis as opposed to big picture of the whole series just want to get a little bit more granular given that this is the nba finals um but with that being said thank you so much for listening and i will chat with you soon
Thank you.